Hey, I'm an economist, but why the heck does economics matter? Well, we're going to explore a little bit of that in this episode. Strap in. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Press Club C Podcast. I'm Ray Keating. In this 137th episode, I'm going to explore why economics matters. And related to that, I'm going to talk about my latest entry in my weekly Economist book series. But first, a quick reminder on what the Press Club C actually is. Each letter stands for stuff we talk about. P is for politics. R is for religion, mainly Christianity. E is for economics. S is for sports. That second S is for stories. Books and writing, my own books, other books, fiction, nonfiction, reviews, author interviews, so on. C is for culture, pop culture and otherwise. L is for life, the big catch-all. U is for understanding, lessons, for example, in history and economics. B is for business and entrepreneurship. And that last C in Press Club C is for conservative. Why? Because I am one. And of course, we have to be very clear about that these days. I am a Reagan, Kemp, Buckley, Coolidge, Lincoln, Madisonian kind of conservative. You might call me a freedom con, a freedom conservative. So now on to the economics. Um, you know, whenever you're in election year, uh, economics or clear economic thinking is in trouble. <laughs> um, and that's definitely the case of 2024. It's a big election year. And when you look at uh, the two most likely candidates, I don't see how it's going to be anyone else at this point. Uh, President Joe Biden versus former President Donald Trump. Yeah, we're going to hear a lot of petty, pandering, dopey politics um, to that will overwhelm sound, clear economic thinking. Will the media help us? Nah, not really. They don't have a clue. Um, how about fellow economists? Well, some, yeah, I hope so. Uh, but too many, quite frankly, in public life uh, are willing to play the political game, um, you know, well, for jobs and for time on television and so on. Um, for the business model, which is often the case, as we've seen in recent years. So, uh, but there are some great ones out there and they are well worth listening to. And I'm trying to contribute as best as I can with, you know, helping with economic literacy, if you will. So I have my weekly economist series. Uh, the third book in that series is just out hot off the presses, the weekly economist three, another 52 quick reads to help you think like an economist. And that follows on the weekly economist two 52 more quick reads to help you think like an economist. And of course the original, the weekly economist 52 quick reads to help you think like an economist. Yes, I am very inventive with my titles. So um, I write this series, right? And there will be more coming. Hey, probably titled the next one, The Weekly Economist 4. Um, but I write this for anyone that's actually concerned about the health of our economy. Not looking to play politics, but looking to get away from the politics and get at the actual economics. Maybe even to look at the actual economics so when they hear the politicians, they can see if they're spouting off ridiculousness or something that's substantive um, to get beyond the manipulation and ignorance of politics, quite frankly, especially during an overheated election year. And this will be overheated uh, to say the least, a, a, a prediction that I can make with the utmost confidence. So yes, one of my missions, vocations in life 
is to help think people think more clearly about economics and how the economy works. Um, and you know what? I've been at this a long time and doing these books and my other podcast, Free Enterprise in Three Minutes, um, has helped me to kind of work on getting my own thinking clear, um, even though I've been at this economic economics game for a really long time. But a lot of it's been in the public policy arena. So again, uh, you can often get infected. So this has been good for myself as well. But what, you know, so why does it matter? Well, the answer is straightforward. Um, and I've noted this elsewhere, but I write, I write in the third book um, at the opening, get the economics wrong and things usually don't turn out so well. And at the close, I add, get the economics right. And while life will not be perfect, it will be better. And that is true. Um, there's always a great deal of bad economics tossed around by elected officials, as I say, and so-called experts. But again, it gets far, far worse during big election years. So I hope, quite frankly, the entire Weekly Economist series, Trilogy Now, will help people, again, rise above silly politics uh, to get at the actual economics. Um, and, you know, listen, part of and part of helping people to think more clearly on the economy is to not be a boring economist, right? Many of my fellow economists do a disservice to the, to the economics discipline by making it uh, seem dry and boring, right? Uh, it's not that. Uh, and I try to, in my writing at least, I try to show that economics matters, show that economics is interesting, and that it's anything but dull. So where to go from here? You know, I want to mention a few of the essays in this latest book. I mean, I'm not going to spoil it. I want you to read the book, <laughs> but I want to highlight some things as to maybe why you should uh, pick up this third book as well as the other two in the series, hopefully. But the first 10 chapters are dedicated to what I call the 10 C's of capitalism. Now, Capitalism or free enterprise, it's amazing, you know, when I was in the classroom for 10 years teaching MBA students, uh, when I'm writing columns, I wrote newspaper columns for over 20 years, weekly columns, uh, I speak on a regular basis, I do podcasts, etc. I write these books. And it's amazing to me um, the mistaken notions or assumptions that people have about capitalism. And it's not difficult to find this. It's quite frankly everywhere. Hey, look at a lot of members of Congress. Look at the White House <laughs> um, on both sides, the most recent, the, the current one and the previous one. So I lay out in 10, you know, and these are quick reads, right? It says it in the title. They're quick reads to help you think more clearly here. So 10 C's of capitalism. I'm just going to mention what they are and then hopefully that you'll, you'll dive in and look at that. But um, number one is competition. Number two is consumer sovereignty. What I mean by that, consumers call the shots in the end, right? They decide what um, what goods and services uh, are going to be successful in the marketplace, what businesses are going to succeed and what ones will not. Uh, number three is cooperation. That's an important essay, quite frankly, because people don't think of cooperation um, in capitalism, right? All they think of is Competition in the worst sense of that word. They don't even understand that, that in terms of how it works. But there's enormous amount. Just the I put it as the competitive process involves cooperation, right? Think about just as an example, everybody within a, a business from 
The employees to the owners have to cooperate in order to succeed. Uh, and even out in the marketplace, when we trade, when we exchange freely, we are cooperating with others, other businesses, business to business, business to consumers. So cooperation is a big deal. Creating value uh, is number four. Number five is choice. And it's striking how often I sat as a, as a college student in classrooms and had uh, professors, I touch on this, professors who knew nothing about economics and they would go on and on about how there was too much choice in our economy. <laughs> anyway, take a look at that essay. Uh, number six is creativity. Capitalism and creativity really go together. Uh, number seven is capital. Both the capital that, uh, capital meaning capital goods, goods that produce other goods, right? And also financial capital, what entrepreneurs need, for example, to start up and grow their businesses. C is for contracts. <clears throat> and I expand that. I talk about contracts and I also talk about property rights in that essay. Uh, number nine is climbing the economic ladder. Uh, people think that, or a lot of people mistake that fail to recognize, let's put it that way, the great mobility, the income mobility that exists within our economy, um, both in terms of individuals being able to move up and quite frankly, move down the economic ladder and then intergenerational movements. That's important. And the last C in the 10 C's of capitalism in this, when I wrote it, I was like, and I wrote this in the, I was like, oh, I can sense the outrage, compassion. Read that essay and understand that compassion is part of capitalism. Because you have to think of others first, folks, before you can succeed yourself. So I delve, obviously, far more deeply. Well, it's a short essay, but more deeply in that in that essay. Um, the other, A few others that I'll highlight here um, that I hope might, you know, get you interested is infrastructure spending and the economy. That's one of the essays. There's a strange assumption in the media and amongst many people... Well, it used to be only on the left, but also on the populist right, that they think infrastructure spending is is a an engine of economic growth. That, you know, somehow or another government pouring concrete is going to spur economic growth. That has not been the case. It's never been the case. Infrastructure, um, when infrastructure spending is wise when it follows economic growth, right? You've got a high growth area and you know, you can see it coming or it's happening and Government says, hey, we got to build some more roads. We got to do this. We got to do that. That makes perfect sense. It aids the economy. It aids in productivity. When the um, when government gets out front, eh, then you get bridges to nowhere. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, as I mentioned in the book, if that was if pouring concrete was the way to grow the economy, then, man, the Soviet Union would be, still be around. They'd be rocking and rolling. Um, important chapter. Uh, in terms of education, how to think about it, Milton Friedman and the economics of school choice. There is a lot packed into that uh, chapter. And understand the idea of school choice. We really do, you know, at least in terms of economics, we trace it back to Milton Friedman and an essay he wrote, get a load of this, in 1955. So I rely on that essay because it's still so relevant uh, to this very day. And by the way, Milton Friedman, what a great economist in so many ways. But also, in one of the previous Weekly Economist books, I think it's the first one, I write an essay on corporate social responsibility. Uh, yeah, you know who I turn to there? Milton Friedman, because he wrote a fantastic uh, essay for the New York Times Magazine in 1970 
This isn't new, folks. 1970. And how to actually think clearly. Think like an economist on that issue. So take a look at that as well. Um, what else? The tight labor market. We hear a lot about the tight labor market. I explore that a little more deeply in an essay in the Weekly Economist 3. And I'll just say this. In terms of the demographics of our country, uh, strap yourselves in because even when the economy slows down or turns south, we're still going to have tight labor markets. So take a look at that. Um, I also have several essays in here that are related to regulation. Regulation is important. Is an important topic, I think, for the average person to kind of start to think about and you know wrap their minds around. Because regulation is, um, let's put it this way: you have the cost of government, right? Now you have taxes. Taxes go to pay for some things that we need, and taxes go to pay for a lot of things that we don't need, a lot of waste, and so on. Um, but people can see for the most part, not all taxes, but they see a lot of their taxes. They see the effect, right? You raise the sales tax, people see that at the cash register, if you will. Uh, raise the income tax, they see their take-home pay go, go down, right? Um, so politicians tend to be a bit more leery about raising taxes. However, when they can do the same thing via regulation, well, that's they like that because... From the average person, regulatory costs are hidden. Now, they're not hidden from business, and they are certainly not hidden, as I mentioned here, from small businesses and entrepreneurs. They understand the costs of regulation because they deal with it every day on the front lines. And so politicians like, I, I talk about the incentives to regulate, um, why regulate, and, and again, because the average person, the voter, does, does not see, they, they hear the good things that politicians say, oh, we're going to make business do whatever and people are like oh isn't that great um and they don't realize that there are very real costs attached to that so i go through some of this i go through why regulate i go through or what the incentives are for regulating i go through estimating the costs and the big overall cost for the economy and then the costs also for small business and entrepreneurship we should all be concerned about that if we we're concerned about innovation job creation um, the growth of our economy and i talk about some regulatory signals uh, that's an interesting issue to wrestle with because it's not just what government does right now or did yesterday in terms of regulatory costs, but what they're looking to do and what sig th those signals are sent to the marketplace and how do businesses and investors and entrepreneurs react. So that's another thing to think about. And then I go through various uh, essays on various regulatory topics and how to think about them and also deregulation. You know, we've seen... Uh, particularly back in the 1970s and 1980s, late, very, very late 70s and into the 1980s, uh, we saw some deregulation, major deregulation efforts that were bipartisan. Whoo, get that. Listen, listen to that. And, uh, and the enormous benefits that occurred with that deregulation. So that happened on the railroads front, happened on airlines, happened with trucking. So take a look at those essays. I hope you do. Um, there are some things there to, to think about in terms of regulation. Um, I have to highlight this because it's a fun essay, makes a point. I use this when I taught MBA students. Uh, Brad Paisley, country singer, can teach us a thing or two about economics, in particular on trade and immigration. Uh, he had a, a song, American Saturday Night. This, you can still listen to it. It's a great song. There's also a lot of economics packed into that song, so I highlight that uh, in an essay. Um, what else? Also, 
people often, you know, okay, so I just talked about regulation. We often talk about taxes. And one of the, I'm trying to remember either one or two, I think it's two. I have several essays on taxes, the impact of taxes, why they matter. So take a look at that. But um, also government debt matters, but that all traces back to fed, to government spending. And at the federal level, we are, I, I highlight this in an essay, we are hitting unprecedented levels of federal government spending as a share of our economy in peacetime and projected for, you know, from now until as far as the projections go, we have never been at these levels of government spending and this does not bode well for the economy. So I explain that as well. So please uh, consider taking a look at that. Um, there are other essays I have. I'll just mention, I, I close out with an economics poem Um uh, the last essay in this third book is uh, titled Property Grinches in Whoville, an economics poem. So I'm not going to read that right now, but please take a look at that. I had some fun with it. Um, apologies to Dr. Seuss. And uh, and I make a point with that. Um, so with that poem, uh, let, let me quote for, uh, do a final quote uh, from the book. And I think this is important. It goes back to that, um, you know, compassion, if you will, and capitalism. So nothing this side of heaven is perfect, including capitalism. The ills of human nature are found everywhere, but to fail to recognize that capitalism can serve as a kind of check against such ills and has served as the foundation for widespread alleviation of poverty and suffering and increases in living standards means to wallow in ignorance or blind ideology. Indeed, the surest path, yes, the most compassionate path to help people around the globe is to further spread free enterprise. This ranks as an economic and moral imperative. And I will defend that statement uh, strongly. <laughs> uh, I believe it to my core. Um, and that goes back to the, those two points that I mentioned earlier. Get the economics wrong and things usually don't turn out so well. They could turn out very badly. Get the economics right. And while things aren't perfect, they'll be a heck of a lot better. Folks, you can get uh, one or all three of the weekly Economist books uh, in paperback or Kindle editions at Amazon, Amazon.com. You can get signed books at RayKeatingBooksAndMore.com. Head over there. Buy one or all three at either place. If you buy it, RayKeatingBooksAndMore.com. I'll sign them and send it right out. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Your feedback and suggestions are always welcome. Uh, again, please check out my other various endeavors and books. Uh, on the fiction front, there's my Pastor Stephen Grant Thrillers and Mysteries. Uh, there's also the first book in my uh, Cathedral, which is the first book in my Alliance of St. Michael series. I'm working on the second book right now. Um, those books are at amazon.com or at raykeatingbooksandmore.com. Also, I have a couple planners. If you want to get organized and inspired, depending on which one you would like, these are only available at raykeatingbooksandmore.com. There's the Lutheran planner, the to-do list solution, and there's the Disney planner, the to-do list solution. So head on over and check those out. Um, you don't have to start using the planner at the beginning of the year. You fill in the dates, uh, so you can start whenever you like, whenever you feel it's ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to get things organized. Um, and they're just in both books. There are great quotes and facts and so on. Um, so please check those out. Thanks so much again for listening. And God bless.